Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I am TK, joined by Andrew Holly. Holly, we sit here on Wednesday, September 23rd. How we doing, man? Well, doing pretty well. Another another game, another win for our Baltimore Ravens. It was another nice week going down to Houston for our first road trip of the season and coming home with the W. It's uh, just like we drew it out. Yeah, yeah. It's always nice to get a win on the road. You know, maybe it doesn't mean the same thing this year, obviously, with no fans and things like that. But uh yeah, it was a really nice win for the Ravens. I mean, maybe not their typical uh, formula that we have, that we've come to get used to over the past uh, 15, 16 games in the regular season, but uh, you know, definitely got it done in a different kind of dominating fashion. So as always, we're going to look through our offense, defense, and special teams notes. Uh, we'll hand out a game ball, uh, talk about our pop of the week, uh, our overreaction of the week. And um, put somebody on the bulletin board as we look forward to week three in a big time Monday night football matchup against the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe a maybe a new big time rivalry brewing here for the Ravens uh, over the past couple seasons. So let's take it back to week two. Uh, as you mentioned, the Ravens headed down to Houston for a, a game against the team that was in the playoffs last year. You know, I, I was, um, you know, not really impressed with what they showed against the Chiefs in week one. So maybe I took them a little bit lightly. Uh, they did impress me. They have some They have some players. They're not as bad as I thought. But, uh, you know, the offense was able to set the tone uh, after a few punts and get some points on the board. What are some of the things that, that you saw offensively um, maybe it looked a little bit different this week than week one, but what are some of the things that you saw that you liked and maybe disliked? Well, you know, offensively, it was good towards the end of the game to see the running game really start to churn. I think that was starting to concern me as the game went on that it didn't really seem like the the running backs were and I don't even know if I want to say the running backs. The offensive line didn't seem to really be asserting itself as much as I would prefer uh, in a game that that we dominated uh, in the end. You know, another thing regarding the running game, I think based off of some of the the uh, pop highlights, as much as I love Mark Ingram, we really need to see some more of J.K. Dobbins, I think, this week, especially against the Chiefs. Not saying that Ingram was in any way a problem, but I, I just... Dobbins has some flash and some pop that we really need to start seeing a little bit more to get this offense moving. Um, you know, that said, I think the other thing that kind of stood out to me a little bit, and, and I don't mean to sound overly negative in a, you know, in a win, but, you know, they seem to contain Lamar pretty well. Um, you know, when he when he had to run, they generally had people around him so that was interesting you know now sure I'll be honest with you if we can score 33 points every time that happens I'm not going to be upset but um I was that was a takeaway and and somewhat of a concern what what do you think about that yeah uh maybe the bigger concern for me and maybe not even a concern but they really took Mark Andrews out of the game 
Uh, he just had the one catch, I believe, early on. He was only targeted three times. Um, but they were able to take away Lamar's number one weapon. And I think that kind of changed things uh, for him. And, and one of the things I, I, I you know, thought about Lamar, and, and just to prove that maybe we can talk uh, you know, objectively about him and, and maybe say something that he didn't do well uh, you know, after his MVP season, as I think he hung on to the ball a little bit too long. Um, it just seemed like, you know, you know, maybe his guys weren't open and, and, you know, he had to, he had to just, you know, try to extend plays, but, uh, you know, some of these sacks or, or some of the, some of these plays, it just seemed like the ball was just in his hands for too long. And, and, you know, I, I, think that again like moving forward it's got to come out a lot faster than it was um on Sunday and like you mentioned you know he didn't he didn't have all that much space uh to to run I think he had um in that third quarter he had a nice you know shake of JJ Watt and you know, ran ahead for, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 yards, something like I that. I mean, but, he, you know, let's face it, he he had 54 yards rushing. So, I mean, yeah. he had, <laughs> it's not like he was terrible, but he did rush 16 times, you know. So, right. you think what we're used to, if Lamar's running 16 times, he's probably got 100 yards because that's crazy that he just ran 16 times, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I, I'm not, and I... You know, obviously we're nitpicking here. You know, it's like, oh, our quarterback didn't run for 100 yards, so that's a problem. It's just surprising to see that. Well, I don't know if it's surprising even, but we may be starting to see some of the Lamar Jackson contain that teams are going to start to employ against us. Yeah, you know, they did obvious... seem to. Sorry to cut ahead. you off there. They no, they did no, seem no. to use a spy early on, which I noticed. Um, and I think we ended up doing the same thing with Malik Harrison uh, on defense uh, against Watson, but they did seem to have a spy concept going on uh, for Lamar Jackson, at least on some of the the downs on which uh, maybe they were playing man to man, in which uh, you know the the secondary's backs were going to be turned. But um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't his you know crazy MVP type performance uh, that we saw last year and last week, but. Again, maybe the point is here that the Ravens, this this iteration of the Ravens doesn't need him to be the MVP to win every week. Yes, I think that's a great, that's a great point. I mean, I think this is a, a better team defensively, number one, than last year. I think it's, well, let's put it this way. It, there certainly appears to be more talent on this defense. We'll see if it truly is better than last year's squad, which turned out to be a pretty darn good defense. So I don't want to sound and, you know, too overly negative, even about last year's defense with the deficiencies it did have. Um, But, you know, seeing Lamar obviously growing as a player, uh, you know, it sucks to go, you know, to, to try to, put a positive spin on winning ugly offensively because how many years have the Ravens done that? Basically their mm-hmm. entire their entire existence. But I think it was definitely one of those scenarios where at least offensively they pretty much just went ugly and bowled over the Texans once they got a chance to. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and like you mentioned, it was great to see the uh, the running game get on track uh, there in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, we were just talking about the time of possession and how that may have been a factor in the game. You know, the Ravens had one time of possession in every quarter uh, and then dominated that fourth quarter. You know, they started that third quarter with like an eight-and-a-half-minute drive, and, you know, that's very tiring and demoralizing for defense. But, um, you know, it was great to see. You know, I, I saw the Ravens wired video, and, you know, uh, Orlando Brown Jr. is really feeling himself, you know, run behind me, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, the run that we need to talk about for sure is the fourth and one uh, wildcat to Mark Ingram. You know, Mar- uh, Lamar was lined up at wide receiver, and you got to think, you know, are the Ravens better off with Lamar at receiver if they're running for 30 yards every time? <laughs> that that's I mean, a, uh, gotta consider got it. a major point there. I mean, yeah, obviously small sample that. size, but if we can, uh, you know, continue with that, uh, you know, average, you know, gained per clip, I think uh, we, we're going to have to stick with that play for sure. You know, it was funny. I was I was a little shocked that the broadcast team didn't like notice that they didn't even call that out at mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. like oh Lamar Jackson's down wide receiver because I mean it was pretty obvious everyone's gonna look at Lamar Jackson when he ha- you know at, he's the MVP of the league they weren't looking at the ball that you know I I just found that crazy to me I mean that I, look they were fine you know I, I I don't recall actually even who they were off the top of my head but you know not trying to kill them they did a fine job with the game but I was shocked that they didn't see. It. I guess what well, was it? Trent Green and and uh, Kevin Harlan is that? Who yeah, it was? it was Kevin Harlan, and I actually okay, really which, like Kevin Harlan. I, I like but, them exactly. I have no problem with them as a broadcast team. So this isn't me trying to like be oh Joe Buck sucks or whatever about <laughs> them. But which you, yeah. actually I'm fine with Joe Buck personally too, for that matter. But you know. I, I'm just shocked by that. That was such a, it, I mean, obviously it pulled the defense, but for fans, I, I don't know. It, it, am I crazy saying that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, they, they always pointed out, oh, Joe Flacco moving out to wide receiver, or, uh-huh. you know, Drew Brees splitting out wide. It's funny that, you know, maybe the time that they missed it was for a guy that, everybody was saying should be a wide receiver exactly but, uh, yeah yeah i don't know i i just found, i just found that kind of funny um let's see what else on that run if you look at the offensive formation it was pretty nuts um on the left side on the right side of the line i'll start over there mark andrews lined up at right tackle uh and then on the left side you had orlando brown jr Ronnie Stanley, uh, Patrick McCary, Nick Boyle, and then you had uh, Pat Ricard seal the alley on the other side um, of the run. And if you just think about, like, how much human being that is, I mean, that is insane. Like, Pat Pat Ricard, like... (laughs) completely engulfed Justin Reed on that run. I mean, like, you, like you couldn't see him on the screen after <laughs> after Patrick Card blocked him. And by the time the Texans figured out what was going on, it just seemed like 
you know, they just didn't have their gaps right. They didn't know who they were looking at. Yeah, they were all discombobulated. They probably should have called a timeout there, to be honest. But, um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a really unique formation. Very cool play design by Roman. And, um, you know, I, I called it last week, Mark Ingram getting back on track. And if that's what it takes uh, to get him there, then, uh, you know, I think all the better. But that was an awesome play. And an awesome time for the Ravens to kind of put the dagger uh, into the Texans. It was absolutely, and and you know not and like I said earlier, look as much as I want to see J.K. Dobbins on the field, Mark Ingram's our starter. Like you know that I guess my main my main concern is as much as I do like Gus Edwards, I'd rather J.K. Dobbins got the ten carries for seventy three yards, not not Gus Edwards over the two. You know. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would like to see a little bit different distribution of the football. But, I mean, hey, you know, who am I? Look, Edwards was good, game man. plan that, uh, that yeah, I, I mean, they, he scored, you know, he had, set, what, he led the team with 73 yards. We scored yep. three points. I mean, I, I, I'm really nitpicking here, really. But, um, and, and look, obviously, I, I do have J.K. Dobbins on my fantasy team. I will mm, say that. The truth comes out. to me. Fairness, the truth comes fair, out. You know, in fairness, you know, I, I have the, uh, you know, running back by committee issue on my fantasy team. But that's, mm. you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Shout out to Gus Edwards, though. Really took advantage Absolutely. of the opportunity that he got. You know, you know, picking up right where he left off last year, averaging more than seven yards a carry in this game. But, uh, you know, I mean, any three of them is 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 great. I think I think they preferred Gus in this game because of his north south ability. Um, and, and that's where they seem to attack the Texans um, with the most success. But, you know, anytime you put up 230 yards on the ground and you average over six yards a carry, um, you know, definitely a successful day. So the offense, again, you know, maybe not like the high-flying uh, aerial attack that we saw in week one, but you know, maybe a little bit closer to what we saw early on last year where we really uh, got things going on the ground. Um, let's see. Anything else we want to add here on the offensive side? I think overall it might take a little bit cleaner effort in week three, but we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, anything else to add there? Um, a couple things. I want to see sure. more and more of Devin DuVernay. Okay, um, agreed. I mean, he just looks, he, he just looks polished. You know, for a young receiver, in his, and, and look, I understand it was one catch for 13 yards, so I don't want to, or I'm sorry, 19 yards. So I don't want to, I don't want to overstate this, but, you know, his hands, he's running clean routes. He just seems like he's going to be a weapon as this season continues. Yeah. I mean, anytime he's going over the middle of the field and, and a corner or a safety is in trail position on him, he's going to be able to run away from that person. He is just generally faster than, you know, the general, the usual, the typical defensive back. So if, if they are in a bad spot to begin with on his route, uh, he's going to break away. And, uh, you know, you can kind of just feel a big play coming from him with that speed. So I completely agree. Getting him some more opportunities uh, will definitely benefit the offense as well. And then two more, two more small items. 
Love the Patrick Ricard touchdown as mm-hmm. as slightly awkward as it sort of was. Not that that was his fault. I mean, he made a fantastic yeah. catch on that. Oh, yeah. But I, I love that. I love safety valve, fullbacks. Juice check was like one of my favorite players when he was a Raven. So, I mean, if we can somehow add that part of, you know, the game to Patrick Ricard, I think that's invaluable to have that as like a third tight end fullback sort of role. That could be huge. And then last but not least, you have to continue to feel for Nick Boyle every time he like tries to score a touchdown and he's down at the one or the two. Yeah. It it just it makes me laugh. It really does make me laugh. It's it's amazing. Pat Ricard now has more receiving touchdowns in his career than Nick Boyle. Mm-hmm. And Pat Ricard's a you know converted defensive lineman. That's amazing. I mean, going back to that, that's an incredible play for a massive person to pull off. Absolutely, you know, to I be mean, able to get down to the ground like that is is kind of stunning. And like to make that catch is really unexpected. But like like you mentioned, that kind of safety valve route, it just reminds me of like every single third and two uh, with Marty Morningweg as our offensive coordinator and just kind of leaking it out to max williams or somebody big and slow out of the backfield to scoot ahead for a first down but yeah like you said it's nice to get him involved in the offense for sure yeah and of course i mean we know that that boyle finally did get off the schneid last year but i wonder how much longer it's gonna take him to add to that total of uh (laughs) to get to number two yeah well, I think did he have more? He had two touchdowns last year. So yes, that's right. So uh, so yeah. it would be number three. But the third mm-hmm. times the charm may take a few more seasons if uh, his <laughs> luck if his luck seems to be what it showed on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I it kind of just reminds me of. Do you remember that season uh, for the uh, Caleb Joseph had no RBIs? Yeah, he had like several hard hit balls with guys in scoring position and just nothing ever came out of it. That's what it yeah. feels like for uh, it does. It really does. It, it's absolutely ridiculous at this point. He just, yeah. I mean, thank God he got those two touchdowns last year, because if he had not. Oh, my Lord. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, he'll get there. I think he'll get there sometime soon. Somebody's somebody's going to forget about him at some time. We can only uh, hope. Yeah, we can only hope somebody (laughs) forgets about one of the highest paid tight ends in the league. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, I mean, again, like really not much to say about the offense, to be honest. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like ugly, I guess, but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't ugly, but it, it wasn't pretty. I mean, it was the you know, it was a blue collar offensive win for the Ravens. Yes, I completely agree. And if you are ready, we can talk about this this defense that has come up to be pretty dominant in these first two weeks. Um, Absolutely. You know, there's there's a lot of things that we can talk about here. I'll, I'll just let you start um, with, I guess, whatever you want. Is you know, what what are you seeing on this defense I mean, that makes it so different, or or we were saying better than last year? It 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 just obviously has more ta- more talent especially at the linebacker position i mean patrick queen has made such a difference you mm-hmm. look at this guy his second nfl game he leads the team in tackles again I-, I mean all over the place in the backfield at times great coverage i mean i think it was a 
there was a fourth down play where he was on he was on uh was it the tight end fan that he was covering and and I know that Elliot made a great play to to disrupt the pass I believe in the backfield but Patrick Queen was right on that receiver and playing a heck of a, a heck of a coverage on that play so I'm just I, I'm really ecstatic right now with the play of all these young players. The, you know, addition of Campbell, I mean, you can't overstate his impact. Um, Deshaun Elliott's playing, I dare say, Pro Bowl level safety. I mean, okay, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I'll let you talk now. So, if I asked you to guess Patrick Queen's PFF grade, what would you think it is right now after two weeks? Let me let me ask you this. What and because it's been a little bit since I've looked at PFF grades, but it's out I of a hundred. I know oh, so it is out of a hundred. Okay, it's not yeah. eighty years. Okay. I'm gonna say he's around and Oh, 85? His PFF grade so far is a 42. What? Yes. It is wild. I, I'm not sure I get it. I, I don't know exactly how, they're do, how they do their evaluation. I, I don't understand their grades. Because now look, they, and, and honestly, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know more football than the guys from Pro Football Focus. So I'm sure there is you know, reasoning behind it, but I don't see how you can evaluate a player such as Patrick Queen in these last two weeks and call his performance a 45. Yeah, I like I said, I, I don't I don't necessarily understand exactly how they evaluate either. Um, but he has has certainly made an impact. He's been there for the splash plays. He had the forced fumble in week one. Um, like you said, he was in good coverage. Seems to be in, in fairly good coverage position often. Um, so I, I, I don't really get it. This does seem like he's around the ball quite often. But that just goes to show you that maybe the eye test and what we feel is different than what the PFF grades Say, are you saying uh, I watch the game with purple colored glasses on PK? No, absolutely not. No. I'm saying okay. PFF. You is better wrong. not be saying that because there's no way that I am no. at all, you know, influenced by my love of the Ravens while I watch yeah. a game. No way. You? No way. No. Come on. No. Come couldn't on. be. But all I'm saying is PFF grades always take them with a grain of salt. Um, and but although they are a fairly decent amalgamation of uh, what a player is going to be like, you know, sometimes. You know, don't take it for for gospel. Um, otherwise, on the defense, I want to talk about Anthony Averett. And he was taking some heat on Twitter during the game and after the game uh, for, for allowing allowing a few completions in front of him. And I didn't think he was that bad. You know, first of all, he's the number five corner on this team. And, and not, uh, not every corner is going to step in and be Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. 
second of all, yeah, he gave up some completions, but even on the balls that were completed, I feel like he was in pretty decent coverage and de- decent position. I thought the penalty that was called on him was a little soft. So, yeah, while whenever he's in the game, he will get picked on just because of the nature of the rest of the defense that we have. Uh, he's not a bad player. And I think that, you know, while while teams will have some success on him, I think that he's going to be able to step in and do a good job going forward. And it seems like um, maybe what's going to happen is similar to last season in which Marlon Humphrey moves into the slot because of Tavon Young's unfortunate injury. And then, you know, Jimmy Smith and Anthony Averett take over outside. But I I mean, not that I well, don't forget about Marcus Peters. Yes. Yes, of course. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not going to sit back and say like, oh, yeah, Averitt's going to lock anybody down, but he's not going to be as weak a link as people were making it out to be. He's uh, a better fourth corner than most people's fourth corners. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Or Definitely. fifth corner, so, as it were, because, I mean, really, he was our fifth corner, but mm-hmm. at this point, he's our fourth. But I, I, I agree with you. You know, and, and look, I, I think I'm as guilty as anyone when you're watching a game and the team makes team you're playing makes a couple good throws or puts a good drive together and scores, and you're thinking, oh, my God, this guy's getting torched. And, and look, and, and the reality is the defense actually played fairly well on the drive. The other team just made some plays. Yeah. You know, um, and this defense is definitely a – as good as it is, it's also very much a bend, don't break defense. So there are going to be chunk plays that are made. I mean, the, you know, Brandon Cooks is going to have almost 100 yards occasionally. You know, I mean, that stuff is going to happen. But in the process, they end up shut, generally shutting down the quarterback. I mean, he still had – Watson still had 275 yards and a touchdown. Granted, he also had a pick and was sacked four times. But – you know, they completely shut down the running game. Completely. Mm-hmm. So, you take the good with the bad sometimes. I mean, you got to give the other team some credit. We're not going to shut them out and completely dominate every single team we play. Yeah, and I think, you know, last 16, you know, last 18 regular season games, we've gone 16-2. and two. And, you know, maybe that allows some expectations to go out of proportion a little bit. Just a and, bit. Um, really? With yeah. Ravens fans? Really? Are you sure? No. Baltimore, no. Baltimore fans don't at all overreact, <laughs> so I think we're okay. But yeah, I mean, like, the, the segment overreaction of the week came from, <laughs> like, the classic 105.7 The Fan caller who, you know, wants Harbaugh to get fired every other week and, you know, thinks Lamar needs to get benched after only throwing for 200-whatever yards. I mean, yeah, we need, we need to keep expectations in check a little bit. You know, Lamar is going to have games like this. The the pass defense is going to give up some plays. Because you know what? Deshaun Watson is a extremely highly paid quarterback for a reason. I mean, he makes some throws that, you know, very few other people on this planet can make. And he's going to make plays. You know, there are other professional football players on the other team. So, yeah, of course— completions are going to happen in front of the same guy maybe a couple times in a row but look uh 
in particular with Averett, I, I'm I'm pretty good with him getting some snaps on the on the field. Uh, it is going to be a kind of a change for Jimmy Smith as far as the role he expected to play. I think he's going to get a lot of snap snaps outside instead of playing some safety. But um, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Wink Martindale adjusts to the unfortunate injury, uh, because I think there are some options there. Well, yeah, you know. Anthony Averett is definitely not our worst problem. I mean, it's almost like the people that were were upset because we didn't have a capable third tight end. I mean, it's like, you know, and, and, and certainly Averett is way better than a third tight end typically is, or, or like we said, a fifth corner. So, I mean, as much as I am guilty as much as the next guy of small sample size nervousness, you know, Averett, Averett does seem like a solid player. I mean, I think, you know, the the Ravens usually throw a lot at their corners and training camp and everything else to try to try to give these guys some competition. And look, Averett has with his third year in a row, he's been able to, you know, fend people off. And or is it is this this isn't his second year, right? Or is it his third year? Am I right? No, this is his third year, I believe. Okay, yeah. I was going to say. So, I mean, he's fended off a lot of competition, and he's gotten a lot of trust from from the coaches, and that has to say something. I mean, I know that a lot of people always question players on every team, and I'm I'm as guilty of it as anyone. Uh, <coughs> Chris uh, <coughs> Chris Moore with his uh, <coughs> his uh, great little uh, end arounds, and I was uh, that actually wasn't me coughing. I was trying to like be funny with it, but it didn't work. <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, I, I think people probably do need to give Avery some slack for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's move back to the good real quick. I want to mention three guys. Um, Marcus Peters, unbelievable interception, you know, I like, he is, he is unreal. Like his, his instincts just, I mean, I like, he's the man. It's like Ed Reed back there again. I mean, honestly, it truly is having that peace of mind that when you need a big play to happen, he's there and he's trying. You know he's trying to to intercept pretty much any ball he can. Yeah, I mean, he's not satisfied with just knocking it down. Like, he wants the ball, and and that's awesome to see. Uh, The other guy I want to mention is Tyus Bowser. I think he was good, again, two two nice performances for him in a row. Um, you know, good to see him coming on and being a big part of the defense. And then the last guy I want to mention is LJ Fort, his third time around a big play already. You know, he had the forced fumble. He had the recovered fumble last week. And then this time he had the recovered fumble return for a touchdown on a really nice run back, actually. So yeah, uh, showed some running back skills out there, you know, diving for the pylon like that. But, uh, you know, he he's He's seeming to just be around the ball a lot, and that's always an important guy to have on your team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really a big fan of what LJ Fort has been able to do so far this year already. Absolutely. He's been, he's, I mean, as much as I love our young linebackers, he's been fantastic. I mean, he really has played well and, and you're right. He really has been around. I mean, it's only been two weeks, but he's been around some of the biggest plays of the season so far um, in in a big way. Yep, for sure. And, and you know, I, I think, 
one of the things that we talked about last week was the pass rush and maybe some consistency. There was definitely consistent pass rush uh, against yes. the Texans. You know, maybe maybe not the best offensive line in the league, but you know, Deshaun Watson was either hurried or hit on like nearly forty plays that that he <laughs> was back there, and uh, you know, the four sacks obviously are nice, but. You know, he was able to make some plays, and, and quarterbacks are going to do that, especially Patrick Mahomes when he's on the run and, and getting outside of the pocket. But just generally creating that discomfort, you know, causing plays to go uh, off time and things like that, you know, more often than not, some good things are going to happen. So it was, was really good to see the, the pass rush tune up like that and, and have a really big performance. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Okay. The other side of the pass rush, a little bit of disappointment for me so far is, uh, where is Jalen Ferguson? I, 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 um, you know, was hoping that he would, you know, step into a bigger role, uh, this year. And, and so far that has not been the case looking at the snap counts. He was only in on 14 defensive snaps. And what we talked about before week one was having, you know, a guy like Pernell McPhee and Jihad Ward in limited roles where they're able to focus on rushing the passer. But Pernell McPhee played 35 snaps and Jihad Ward played 21. So both of them are on the field more than Jalen Ferguson has been. And I just really wish that those snap counts were reversed. I mean, I, I would love for a young player like Ferguson to be able to contribute consistently and then let Pernell McPhee f- focus on the pass arts, which he's so good at, but it doesn't seem like that's coming to fruition yet. And I, I, I'm just a little bit miffed uh, as to why that might be. And, you know, I, I just hope that he can, he can contribute in some way uh, on, on a more consistent basis. Well, I agree with you there. I mean, I've again, we're not around the team directly to where we're privy to any of the information like this, but I still wonder if if coaches were not happy with his fitness coming into training camp and we're seeing we're, we're seeing the results of that at this point. I mean, you know, I, I it you know, I again, I don't want to put too much weight into this but when you're watching those training camp videos and you see you see ferguson standing next to jihad ward uh wow i it's a big difference i mean and there'd be a major difference if i was standing next to jihad ward too but i'm not a professional athlete and you know it, it let's hope that if if it's not injuries for some reason that's limiting his snap count, that he starts to get a clue a bit and the light bulb can come on for him to, you know, be the player we really need him to be. Yeah, I, I'm just saying you can't have a nickname like Sack Daddy and play 14 snaps no. and then not show up in no the box score. No. Like, that just doesn't add up. Either either you got to show up or you got to get a new nickname. Um, I would rather him show up and keep the sack daddy nickname because that's awesome. But 
Yeah, it would be I, a lot just, more fun for that to happen. That is for yes, sure. Yes, yes, absolutely. I would just appreciate that a little bit more. Um, defensively, going to be a big-time challenge week three against the Chiefs, and we'll talk about that in our preview. But as far as week two goes, um, any any further notes? I mean, I, the only thing I have here related to LJ Ford's fumble recovery is the actual forced fumble. And uh, Marlon Humphrey really getting his signature move here with the punch-outs. Yeah, just, I mean, what more can you ask out of a corner? I mean, it's not usually a good thing when your cornerback is, you know, your second leading tackler. But Marlon Humphrey is just that good. And, you know, he ends up with half a sack and... His his force fumble punch out that is becoming his signature maneuver, you know. I what more can you say about possibly the best cornerback in football? He's a he's a beast, man. Interception week one, force fumble week two, half a sack week two. I mean, he does it all. He he is supports in the run game. He's a star for sure, and uh, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see when it comes time for for payday. Um, what happens with uh, yeah, with Marlon Humphrey? Sure. But, We've got uh, a lot of players. It's fun seeing this team as talented as it is, but knowing that the salary cap might actually go down next season and all the contracts we're going to have to start renewing sooner rather than later, oh, the salary cap does suck, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's why it's so important to win in this window. Yes, uh, because it's going to be really hard to keep this this type of roster together. Um, anything else to add? Maybe special teams. T- Tucker, a beast as usual. Not yeah, too much I mean, explosion. what can you say about yeah. Justin Tucker? I mean, you know, the four for four. Okay, still got it. He still got it. And, you know, Sam Cook, two punts, 94 yards, 153, one inside the 20. I mean, yeah, okay, great. Thanks. Thank yeah, you. ho-hum. All um, right. Just just a day in the office for them. Yeah. yeah. Not not as much explosiveness out of the return game, but, you know, that that's going to come, I think. Again, it's just a matter of time until DuVernay makes a really big play in my mind. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Whether um, whether special teams or on offense, for that matter, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, unless you have anything else to add, maybe we'll move on to our segments. Sure. All right. So we'll start with our game ball. Who are you going to give your game ball to? You know, I'm going I'm, – I'm actually going to split up my game ball this week. I'm, I'm pulling a little bit of an audible. Initially, I was going to give it to Patrick Queen. Be, and and I still am in love with Patrick Queen leading the team in tackles and everything else, but I think I was overlooking Marlon Humphrey. I really have to split it between the two of them. Just fantastic defensive effort from both of them. Yeah, I'm going to stick on the defensive side of the ball too. LJ Fort, again, you know, his third time around a big play. You know, he just seems to always be around the ball. He picked, picked up the forced fumble from your guy, Humphrey, and, uh, you know, took it to the house and really started – the the domination there because I think the next possession was the interception too um so yeah I mean it, it was just the early turning point in the game for the Ravens and uh you know Fort was there to make the big play so uh Queen Humphrey and Fort get our game ball this week um let's talk about our pop of the week 
Um, who are you going with here? Well, my pop of the week is the aforementioned punch from our boy Marlon Humphrey. That is my pop of the week to force the fumble. I, too, am going with Marlon Humphrey, but for a different play. Uh, there was a screen pass thrown out to, I believe it was Brandon Cooks, and they had a tight end out in front of him uh, to spring him free. But Marlon Humphrey came up and came up and really took on the blocker, which I don't think the tight end was expecting, and uh, helped to diffuse that play rather quickly. Um, it's just not a play that a lot of corners make, you know, inviting that kind of contact. And it goes back to what we were saying. I mean, Humphrey is somebody that can do it all. So both pops of the week and the game ball go to Marlon Humphrey at a guy that we really didn't talk about in our defensive review there. So just goes to show you how many playmakers there are on that side of the ball. Uh, now let's go to our overreaction of the week. We referred to it earlier. Pretend you're on 105.7 The Fan calling in. How are you overreacting this week? Well, I'm overreacting this week. Just the fact that we have Monday Night Football. Look, guys, I know that I've been there too. Oh, it's sort of a respect issue. We want to have Monday Night Football. When in reality, the the you know having to stay up late on a Monday, you've got to work the next day. All you know, all weekend you continue to wait for the Ravens game. You want to watch it on Sunday, but you can't because it's not until the next day. I I mean, look, Monday Night Football at this point in the NFL, you don't need that kind of special day anymore. Screw it, it sucks. I'd rather you know if you want to focus <laughs> on it, I play Sunday night. That's great. It's still a little annoying because you have to wait till the last game. I was annoyed that we had a four o'clock start against the Texans. So, honestly, Monday Night Football sucks. I prefer just just give me home games on a Sunday, and I'll be happy. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, my overreaction, you know, I, I talked about uh, Willie Sneed and the wide receiver core last week. I'm going to keep it in the wide receiver core, but I'm going to talk about Miles Boykin. And my overreaction is that he is a top five blocking wide receiver in the league. You know, we saw several examples of it last year, his willingness and his hustle and his length to be able to get to defenders and, and seal them off on long runs. Uh, it showed up again this week, and it was early on in a third down conversion to Mark Andrews, and Miles Boykin was you know, kind of out of the play, but, you know, got back up and, and hustled down the field and took on another corner and allowed Andrews to get like eight or 10 more yards. And again, that type of play is really important in this, in this offense that we have, but just his willingness to get out there and block and, and really just stick his nose in there is not something that you see as often uh, in the league. So, you know, I got to put him in the top five. He shows up almost every week uh, in in this category of just having a really nice block downfield. So that's my overreaction of the week. I got to say, I, I I am I am I don't even know what to say about yours. I think you're in the minority there. <laughs> I think most people like Monday Night Football, but I can't, I I kind of get it. I kind of get it. You know, staying up late for games is. Is not ideal, especially when you're you know, busy day at I, work at the next point, day. I'm 
41 years old. I'm a crotchety old man for a 41-year-old. <laughs> you know, I, I it's hard for me to stay up late now. It sucks. But, you know what, especially when I have a busy day the next day, screw that. Give me football on Sundays, man. Come yeah, on. One, one o'clock games. One o'clock Sunday games one o'clock. on a Sunday. <laughs> Just give it to me. I want to watch my game, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. It's tough to wait. And it's tough to go to bed that late, but... Because it's not like the game ends and I'm going to be like, okay, great, now I can go to bed. No, I'm going to be up for another hour and a half as Mm. I'm digesting what happened. And that's whether they win or lose, because let's face it, it's a big game. I don't want to have to be fired up and up till 2 in the morning on a Monday night. You know, God forbid it goes to overtime. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if it goes all 15 minutes of overtime, we're not sleeping. Oh, we're, we're, we're going to record. Just... We're going to record that night. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> we're just going to go ahead and record that night. And I'm just going to keep I'm just going to fire up the espresso machine and get ready for work because I'm not going to sleep. I mean, there we go. There we go. That, that'll work. <sighs> Let's, I, you know what? While we're on a roll here, let's jump into it. Monday Night Football, week three, Kansas City Chiefs come to town. Finally get a home Monday night football game, but no fans can come. You know, of course, that's how it works out for for this franchise. But, oh, man, this is going to be a tough one. The Chiefs didn't look great in week two at the Chargers. But, uh, you know, I, I think they'll be pretty much ready to rock um, when, you know, when, they, when they come to town. It, it seems kind of obvious the things that we got to watch out for with this team. But, you know, what, what are some of the things that you'll have your eye on in particular? Yeah, uh, in particular, I definitely, I mean, I've, I've harped about it enough on the, this this particular show, the play of Patrick Queen, because not only um, is it just another big game for the rookie, he's got some big responsibilities in this game between, uh, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, his old teammate uh, at LSU, you know, that's a major weapon on that Chiefs offense that he's going to be uh, charged with stopping in a lot of respects. And on that same token, you know, e- e- coverage and spying Patrick or Patrick Mahomes rather is, is going to be a major part of his, his responsibilities. I imagine on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it, uh, Edwards Lair is definitely capable of running routes from anywhere on the field. And, and even, if you kind of drop back into coverage to try to stop the the Chiefs passing attack, you saw what they were able to do the, to the Texans with a lighter box. You know, Edward Dallaire went for over 100 yards and that touchdown and everything. So, you know, they can kind of beat you both ways. Um, I think one of their interesting additions was the left guard and the former Raven, Kalecio Semele. He's, he's been pretty good so far. But yeah, I think a lot of these young defenders, you know, rookies or not, are going to have to deal with a lot of misdirection from Andy Reid. Uh, I think he's going to try to confuse them and try to use some of their explosiveness and uh, aggressiveness against them. And and it'll really, really be a sign of how prepared they are under, under Wink Martindale for that kind of stuff. You know, uh, Andy Reid runs very exotic kind of screen plays and things like that. And you know, forget about Tyreek Hill's speed and, and Travis Kelsey's ability over the middle. Um, they're a tough def- uh, tough offense to stop. 
And it, it'll be really interesting to see how these young defenders respond to that. Um, I think it's going to be a really big game for guys like Derek Wolf and Calais Campbell. So if the Ravens do go with a lighter box, for them to be able to plug the run a little bit without having to have extra guys uh, in that front uh, to stop that is going to be really key. And, and that's exactly what those guys were brought in for. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm also going to continue to look at next week, considering how big of a game it is, is how much time Bryrick Washington continues to get on the defensive line. I That's one thing that, and I, we probably should have talked about this a little bit more on the defensive part of the discussion. But he, I, I mean, he, you know, I'm not going to say he's been the best player on the field or anything like that, but I've been... With how deep our defensive line seems to be, I'm surprised at how much time he has gotten. Is that a fair statement, or or am yeah. I am I over overestimating how how much he's been on the field? You know, I am. I'm going to check the snap count right now, but that's a really interesting point that you're making. Is like even with all these guys added, so he had three snaps on on Sunday. But there that were was big it, three really? snaps. Yeah, there are big three snaps, I bet. Um, it's just... I'm shocked it was only three snaps. I, I really am. I don't maybe, maybe I just noticed it like, oh, wow, he's actually on the field, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess I take back the statement. I, it was my eyes deceiving me. Yeah, but either way, I mean, for him to even be on the field is kind of surprising because of how little we heard about him in, in training camp. The, I think he's going to be in there quite a bit uh, because they're going to want to keep everybody fresh uh, against, you know, in a situation sure. in which they're going to want pass rush from these guys. So I think he's going to have a, a bigger role than three snaps in week three here. And, and, you know, he was able to get some, some penetration in week one against a pretty good offensive line in, in the Browns. And, you know, hopefully he can show up again. Let but, me ask uh, you, what was the snap count for Justin Ellis? Do you have that in front of you? Yeah, let me look. Scroll down real quick. He had 10 snaps. Okay. So, so where, did along, that, where did that fall in with the other defensive linemen? Because he was another guy I felt like I saw a lot on the field on Sunday. But obviously, if I thought I saw Washington a lot, that wasn't true. So of our of our defensive line, Clayus Campbell read, led the way with 38, which is 64% of the snaps. Okay. Uh, and then you got uh, Pernell McPhee with 35 snaps, Derek Wolf with 30, Brandon Williams with 25, and then you get into like the Jihad Ward and and Jalen Ferguson mm-hmm. and Justin Ellis. Um, okay. So I mean, I mean, Jihad Ward still played 21 snaps. I mean, that's that's quite a big chunk, but. Um, yeah, so even those guys, they're, they're rotating quite a bit because if yeah, your leading absolutely. defensive lineman's only out there for, you know, 60% of the snaps, I mean, he's, he's getting some pretty good rest. So yeah, absolutely. I, I do expect that kind of rotation to continue, especially maybe not to the level that, that the rotation was there against the Browns, but I do just to keep the guys fresh and because I... I, especially if we go with a light box, I think the, the Chiefs will try to um, run the ball a little bit just the way that they did in week one. Um, on the Chiefs' defensive side, they have shown 
a little bit of susceptibility to the run. Uh, I think their defensive line is kind of struggling. They they have some injuries in the secondary as well. But um, I think there is a win to be had there on the ground, especially with the rhythm that the Ravens were able to get in the fourth quarter. I would agree with that. I mean, it, it definitely appears like running up the middle against the Chiefs is where the Ravens are going to want to attack the field. Um, so we'll see if, if that ends up being successful or if the, the Chiefs are able to tighten things up a bit. You know, as much as I talked earlier again about J.K. Dobbins, this might be another game for Gus Edwards to to uh, get the ball a good bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of sense that a little bit because of that north-south that we talked about earlier. If the Chiefs do kind of stack the box to in an effort to bolster that defensive front, they do have some injuries at the corner position. Um, so maybe... The, the game plan will be to take advantage of that much like week one against the Browns in which you attack them down the field. Um, you know, they do have some stars in, in Teron Matthew and um, Chris Jones on the defensive front, but uh, otherwise I think they're, they're going through some struggles right now and we might be catching this defense at a pretty good time. It's, it's certainly very, po- <coughs> excuse me. It's certainly very possible there is definitely, like you said, a win to be had here. Um, I don't know if it's better to to lose this week and and beat them later, or to win this week and then have that, you know, to not have that. I don't want to call it an edge, but to have that, like, still need to that's that need to beat a team, you know, late in the year. You don't want to. I, if that makes any sense, you know, it's like I I always want to see the Ravens win, but you don't want to see them. I, I'd rather lose to the Chiefs next week than lose them at the end of the year in the playoffs. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that's like yeah, Captain Obvious yeah. statement. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I just feel like, you know, I I get nervous when you start beating teams that are huge early in the season. And then it maybe gives you a little bit of a. Uh, a cockiness when you face yeah, them again that maybe man, you shouldn't yeah. have. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't see this team ever overlooking the Chiefs, but I don't know. I, I, anyway, I'll I'll stop surprising yeah. about ridiculousness. <laughs> yeah, I, I think all that being said, I do expect the Chiefs' offense to bounce back a little bit. You know, this is a game in which you kind of miss Earl Thomas's range in the back end and. You know, of course, we're we're not going to dwell on that, but it's going to be a really tough game for Deshaun Elliott and Chuck Clark um, because that they don't have that same range. They will be challenged with speed from Tariq Hill, Nicole Hardman, Sammy Watkins, and and um, Demarcus Robinson. You know, there's a ton of speed out on the field. I think ridiculous that, speed, ridiculous speed. Yeah, the. The Kelsey problem is is always there because in the regular in, in training camp. Who do you put on Kelsey? Do you put Jimmy Smith on Kelsey and say he's your guy? Yeah, you know, that's what I was just gonna say. Like, how do you make that adjustment without Tavon Young now? And you know, do you allow Jimmy to to play the tight end inside? I mean, and, I don't know that I would have wanted Tavon Young to play Kelsey. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I, I don't know that he would have been there. my choice even if healthy. Yeah, yeah. So I I do 
kind of think that they'll go with Jimmy Smith there because of that. His his he's a little bit closer in size. I mean, I mean, Kelsey still has quite a bit on him, both height and weight. But then allow uh, you know Marlon Humphrey to stick outside and maybe take on um, Watkins and Hill. What do you and, put? I mean, shoot. Do you, I mean, we've got Peters too. Do you put Peters and Smith on the outside and? Just let Humphrey take on on Kelsey. That might, I mean, to be honest with you, that might be the play. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then rotate in Averett with with Jimmy. Yeah, uh, that might that might do it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do to to fill Tavon's roster spot. To be honest, uh, well, I think right now corner? they just brought up uh, one of the. I'm trying to remember his name from the practice squad. They kept bringing him up to uh, play. Oh, Jordan uh, Richards. Yes, thank you. I think I think it looks like he's just going to be the person they they signed to the to the. Uh, and then now team. now his like that call up spot that's that's freed up. So do you bring up at a corner from the practice squad either Terrell Bonds or Khalil Dorsey? Maybe I think they really Warrior. like Bonds. And yeah, Nigel Warrior for sure. I mean. I'm not sure how he would hold up um, in uh, in one-on-one, but you know you got to also think about a guy like Geno Stone, who has been mm-hmm. inactive for the first two weeks, uh, despite being on the 53-man roster. They keep bringing up Jordan Richards and and doing that, but you know it, it's going to be really interesting to see. I think I kind of like your idea of, of having Marlon in the slot uh, against you know whoever ends up in the slot, whether it's Kelsey or Hill, who likes to, they like to get free um, in the slot as well. So I think it's going to be Marlon that takes on a big time role in that spot. Yeah, I think so too. The more, the more I think about it, I think he's got to be the guy. I think he's, he's more physical than Jimmy Smith. I mean, not that Jimmy Smith isn't physical, but I just, I just think if, well, and I'll be honest with you, I, I think it was this last game. There was a play, was it, um, the tight end like kind of really bowled over Smith pretty good. Um, now he only got a couple yards, but he needed help to bring the guy down. So it just made me wonder. Well, do we want him to be the guy that always covers tight ends? You know, so at least for a person as skilled as Kelsey goes, I I want Humphrey there. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that seems to be the obvious mismatch no matter who you put on there. So you might as well put your uh, your best defender, or uh, who I consider to be the Ravens' best yeah, defender uh, on that. Um, but yeah, let's get into a prediction. Uh, we we have, have uh, discussed in, in length here. The line for the points, I believe, is set at 52.5, and, and the Ravens are favored by 3.5. And being at home, we know that a three-point favor is basically even. So the Ravens are barely favored in this game. How do you see this one shaking out? And and give me a score prediction. Well, I think it's going to go over. And I think that mainly because it it is Monday Night Football. Oh, my God. But, (laughs) I mean, look, some of, I think, Patrick Mahomes' best games have been on Monday Night Football. You know, even with the lack of a crowd, we're going to be home, so we're going to be fired up to want to win on Monday Night Football, um, despite my lackluster beliefs about Monday Night Football. But, um, you know, I just think it's going to turn into a bit of a back-and-forth 
Um, I think, like I said, I think the Chiefs are going to come to play. We're going to be fired up. Um, and look, if the Chiefs are fired up, it's going to be an explosive day for them. So, I do not think we beat the Chiefs on some, or excuse me, on Monday night. Um, I'm going to say 36 to 32 Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm kind of leaning the same way. Kind of high scoring affair is is what I have in mind. Like you said, a little bit of back and forth, in which it might just be like whoever has the ball last um, has the opportunity to win it. Uh, I, I like I said, high scoring affair. I do think that the Chiefs' offense gets back on track. You know, they're just a very tough matchup, especially with Mahomes' ability, Mahomes ability to make plays outside of the pocket. So I'm going to go Chiefs um, 34, Ravens 31. It's going to be a close one. But, uh, again, got the over, um, and, but, but with the Chiefs winning. And uh, there's one more thing I wanted to add here, and I completely forget. But, oh, well. Uh, there'll, there'll be a rematch of this game in the playoffs is, is my prediction. And uh, the Ravens will win that one with a little bit of an extra edge. Uh, and don't worry, everyone. When when TK wakes up in the middle of the night and thinks about what he wanted to add, he'll put it on his Twitter. I got it. What? It's at it's so contagious. I T S S O C O N T E J U S. But I did I did remember it right now. You mentioned oh perfect. You mentioned that Patrick Mahomes, some of his biggest games are. On Monday night, I will counter with some of Lamar's biggest games are in prime time. Some of Hollywood Brown's biggest games are in prime time. And that's why I kind of feel that back and forth ready to rock in this game. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And like I said, we're, you know, I, I'm, I'm, and as I'm sure you feel too from what you just said, you know, look, I don't think the Ravens are going to look crappy on, on Monday night. I think they are going to leave it all out on the table. They're going to look great. They're just not going to beat the Chiefs, who are a fantastic team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And at this point of the year, that's that's perfectly fine. Because right now in power rankings, if you look at those, it's Chiefs 1, Ravens 2, or Ravens 1, Chiefs 2. Yeah. And it's okay, to, you know, to play a good team well this early on and, uh, you know, be able to grow from it with the remaining 13 games until you make it to the playoffs. So. Yeah, that, that's where I am right now. And, uh, you know, it, it, unless you don't have anything else to add, maybe we can we can sign off here. We've, we've discussed in length. This yeah, game. I think I think we're good. I think we can sign off outside of, you know, my hatred of Monday Night Football. I think we can move on from there. All right. Go ahead and go ahead and uh, take us out. Well, guys, I guess, you know, it, it's, it's the end of the uh, the end of our podcast. I'll try to start getting positive about having to stay up late to watch Monday Night Football next week. But look, either way, I will be watching the game and rooting for the Ravens and trying to be okay with it. But as always, what else can we say? But go Go Ravens. Ravens.